So our guest speaker this morning for this year's Mission Sunday is Dr. Steve Timmermans, who is the executive director of the Christian Reformed Church in uh, North America. Dr. Timmermans assumed that position in June of 2014, having previously served in academia. Uh, following a career as a psychologist, he served as director of academic services and then in the, academ uh, in the education department at Calvin College. He later served as an academic dean at Calvin and executive associate to the president of Calvin College. Um, in 2003, Dr. Timmermans became president of Trinity Christian College, a position that he held until his current role. And I didn't plan to do this, I'm just going to pause. It's all very coincidental that the new president of Trinity Christian College and his wife happen to be worshiping with us today, very, not planned, Curt and Leah Dykstra are here. Why don't you stand, let people say hello to you. I know you don't want to do this, but that's okay. It's the power of the microphone. Curt and Leah are longtime friends coming from a little unknown town called Holland, Michigan. Um, so we're grateful that you're here with us today just worshiping, and God bless you in your new role and what you're doing at Trinity. Dr. Timmermans has demonstrated a lifelong commitment to local congregations as a, a member and an elder, a committee chairperson, a church school teacher, all which prepared him for the role that he now has in our denomination. He and his wife, Barb, have um, seven children. The youngest is in high school, another one's a student at Trinity. They're spread all over the universe. Some are here worshiping with us this morning. Some have graduated, though, from the Chicago area to move to Jerusalem, I mean Grand Rapids, uh, following mom and dad since they've taken on this new role. Dr. Timmermans has a passion for mission, and in particular the involvement of individual congregations in mission work. And of his many character traits that people cite, we would add to that perseverance. Because Dr. Timmermans was scheduled to be our mission speaker last year. He and his family were driving here from Grand Rapids, hit a whiteout in Michigan City, were in a horrible pileup of like 30 or 40 cars. Their car was totaled. Many of them were injured, and they had to get on a train and go back to Grand Rapids. But when we called him this year, he said he would come under one condition, and that is that we might guarantee there would be better weather. And so apparently our mission team has power that a lot of people don't have. This couldn't be a nicer winter day to have you here with us. And so let's give a warm Elmer's Christian Reformed Church welcome to Dr. Steve Timmerman. Yes, God answers prayer and uh, not a snowflake to be seen. Um, but I'd also uh, note that last year it was four of us in the family who came and we didn't make it. This year, 12. So I, th I think the more the merrier, the better th uh, the outcome is. So I'm glad that uh, so many of my family could be here. And I'm happy to be here. Um, it feels like coming home, um, coming to the Chicago area. So the passages this morning uh, I'd like to bring to you. First, from Zechariah, Zechariah 8, 1 through 7. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. And now a New Testament reading from Acts 1, 6 through 9. Then they, the disciples, gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He, Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. That's the reading of the Lord's word. So what do these texts this morning mean for Elmhurst CRC, for the Christian Reformed Church spread across the continent with more than a thousand churches, a quarter of a million members, with many of our members working on our behalf here in Chicago and to the ends of the earth. What does it mean for us and the entire body of Christ from the east and to the west? Before answering that question, I want to tell you a short story. It's about vehicles, but not the same story about what got, didn't get me here last year. I recall um, I was about 13 or 14, and uh, my family was camping with another family. The oldest in the other family had just received his driver's license. Now, there's some of you here that have just received your driver's license freedom, right? Well, we all piled in, and we went zooming around the campground <clears throat> rather fast, I'd say. And it was fun until the park ranger stopped by later that evening, upset that my older friend had been speeding and asked to speak individually with each of us in that car. I was being called to the witness stand. Thinking back, I was scared. I was trembling. I wanted to protect my friend. But I knew, truthfully, he had been speeding. I knew I had to tell the truth. The ranger probably understood my witness before I even opened my mouth. I couldn't fake it. In fact, none of us at the end of the day can fake who we are. We can't be anyone other than ourselves to show who we really are. And the passage of Acts calls us to be that kind of witness, to be God's witness. So this morning I'd like to explain three things. First, how we function as witnesses. Second, where and to whom we're called to be witnesses. And third, what should motivate us. First, how we serve as witnesses. John 13, verse 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're called to witness God's love. And how do we show that? By loving each other. After moving from uh, this area back to Grand Rapids, um, not Jerusalem, um, back to Grand Rapids a year and a half ago, our family had to find a new church home. I think one of the reasons we joined the church we did was because of the witness the church provides in showing God's love. Right near to the church is a re-entry home for those stepping back into society after serving time in prison. And these guys show up faithfully in worship. I continue to be touched by what one of these worshipers, an ex-offender, said in our prayer and share time. 
This is the first time in my life I felt loved and accepted. The first time. All of us can understand this, even if you're only five years old. Missions is showing God's love to each other. That's how others learn, and that's actually how we learn about God. I appreciate how the message says it in Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Now, we're about a year past a couple of shocking events that happened in February of 2015. First, 21 Egyptian Coptic Christians were killed by ISIS. ISIS released a video hoping it would strike terror in our hearts, but did it? Some suggest as these 21 men kneeled, not one renounced their faith, dying with the words of Jesus on their lips. Even more, the event demonstrated the center of the Christian faith, even to those who mourned the death of their very family members. Here's one, a quote from the daughter of Magad Shahada, who spoke to the Islamic Monthly, and I quote, My father died like a lion. He did not bow his head down. ISIS has no religion or mercy. I am now from the city of the martyrs, the city of the brave lions. Now listen. May God forgive the killers. We don't have hatred toward them. This is Christianity. God forgives the sinner, so shall we. What a witness. Then, exactly a year ago, the world received news of Kayla Jean Mueller's death. Now, Kayla, if you remember, was a humanitarian worker from Arizona. She was taken captive in August of 2013 in Syria as she left a Doctors Without Borders hospital. Her family released a letter that she had written the previous spring, a letter written from the center of who she was, written after she had already been in captivity a number of months. And I quote, I remember mom always telling me that all in all, in the end, the only one you really have is God. I have come to a place in experience where, in every sense of the word, I have surrendered myself to our creator because literally there was no one else. And by God and by your prayers, I have felt tenderly cradled in free fall. I have been shown in darkness light and have learned that even in prison, one can be free, end of quote. What a witness of love to a world in darkness, a witness to terrorists overseas, even her captors, and of course, a witness to each person throughout the world who reads or hears her words, many of whom don't yet experience God's love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they will know we are Christians by our love. Now, second, where and to whom are we called to be God's witnesses? To whom are you to show God's love? Now, think with me of a collapsible cup. Maybe they're not really popular these days, but when I was a kid, they were really cool, okay? Collapsed, it's flat, no more than an inch or so in height. 
but pull it out. Each successive circular level is wider and wider. That's an image I'd like you to have as you think about Christ's mandate to be witnesses, not to collapse, but to expand. So first, certainly there's a narrow circle of influence at the bottom of the cup. Let's think about that circle as our families. We're close together in that circle. Yet, we have to remember, instead of shouting and arguing with our brothers and sisters, now I say that to the kids, but we adults have siblings too, right? We need to respond with love, witnessing Christ's love. And instead of giving our kids stuff, how about giving them our time? Because it's through our time that we really show them our love. Instead of strife or using the silent treatment or ignoring in any of our family relations, we need to practice love. Thereby, we witness Christ's love. Now, that's the inner circle. Next level. Then, a little more broader. Our classmates at school, our colleagues at work, the people with whom we have daily interaction, they influence us. We can influence them. Some are believers, many are not. And guess what? When we show them love, we show them Christ. Now, the next level, a little wider. Broader still includes those maybe quite different from ourselves by economic level, by ethnicity or country of birth or any number of dimensions. Perhaps our tendency is to push these folks from our attention or by way of public policy out of our zone of concern. Or maybe we deal with them by just plain ignoring them. But what do we need to do? Show them the love of Christ. You will be my witnesses, says Jesus. Now, let's go to the next level, the broadest level. And here I want to go more slowly. Because this level includes those that will meet as well as those will never meet. But yet we have to understand how, be, how to be witnesses. Now, many of us grew up thinking... That mission work is something somebody else does on our behalf. It is true. We're part of the Christian Reformed Church, and we have wonderful mission efforts. We have home missions. We have world missions. We have Back to God Ministries International. We have World Renew. We have a whole team doing missions on our behalf. And that's good. You can't, I can't always go where they're able to go. I can't broadcast in Arabic that in the way that Back to God Ministries International does. Listen to a recent story told by our friends from Back to God Ministries International and know that the names I use are not real names. Um, part of this is protecting um, uh, safety. Yamana is an assistant university professor in the Middle East. A former Muslim, she became disenchanted with all religions. Still, she admitted... She had long wanted to connect with, and these are her words, thinking Christians who are serious about their faith. One of her female students, also of Muslim background, told her about the Back to God Ministries Arabic radio broadcast and website. She listened and contacted Back to God's discipleship team in the Middle East to learn more about the Christian faith. As a result, Yamana has embraced Christ as her Savior and Lord. And now, Yamana and her student have become partners in ministry. Their mission is to tell others about who Jesus truly is. What a report. Thank God for Back to God Ministries International and for all the CRC witnesses around the world. Maybe 
This may be the power of the Spirit, the witness of those like Kayla Mueller, Yamana, and her student, those seized with creating terror will, by the working of the Spirit, open their lives up to God's love. But now, let's look again at Acts 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth in all of Judea and Samaria and in Jerusalem. You know, a most interesting thing has been happening in the last number of years. The ends of the earth have shown up right down the end of your street and mine. Hop on the Metro, step into the grocery store, hang out by the Bean and Millennium Park, and you are going to bump into the whole world. While we have wonderful brothers and sisters traveling to the ends of the earth to be Jesus' witnesses to Muslims and to Hindus and to Buddhists and to those with no faith at all, we also interact with Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and those with no faith at all right here at home. The highest and the broadest circle of that cup isn't so challenging after all. For we witness the love of Christ through our missionary partnerships and by means of our day-to-day interactions in this global city. Now, Elmhurst Christian Reformed Church, you have a long history of showing love through your Little Lambs program. Even the very beginning of your church showed it. It's in your DNA. But this morning, think with me. Let's think outside of the building called church. Maybe it's showing love to the Hindu neighbor who moved in down the street. It might produce some anxiety to knock on that door and offer a plate of cookies. But God doesn't act us, ask us to be selective in showing his love to others. Maybe it's the relationships you develop at work. It might even mean taking a risk to jump into a new job. Perhaps it's the kindness you show on the metra to the one who is among the least of these. In other words, every level of that collapsible cup is accessible to us. And at each level, we're called to be Christ's witnesses. But let's not stop there, as Lisa helped us remember at the beginning of the service. The Acts passage speaks of the power of the Spirit we've been given. But you will receive power. That should give us courage to be bold, to be witnesses in extraordinary kinds of ways, like linking with a prison in Louisiana and maybe with a prison nearby like asking where God is already at work, Lampstand Ministries, Restoration Ministries, Youth for Christ, Buy the Hand Club for Kids, and then joining God there. Don't forget, you have been given the power of the Spirit. Now third, what motivates us and sustains us to be God's witnesses? While I've been focusing on the passage from Acts, it's time to turn to the passage from Zechariah. Let me refer to it as a way to paint or picture what God promises, as a way to sustain our motivation to be God's witnesses. It is true. We all participate in missions, both through our individual actions of witnessing God's love and through our partnership in missions, through our gifts and offerings. We're called to tithe, for instance, and we have the Great Commission and the words of Acts 1 to tell us what to do. It's what we ought to do. But I hear more and more the phrase, see where God is already at work and join him there. So we should ask, so what's God working on? God is working on a fulfillment of his kingdom, 
as painted in Zechariah, as the idyllic scene of grandpas and grandmas on benches, leaning on their canes, watching the youngsters playing in the street. What a picture. Take a moment. Paint yourself into that scene. Maybe you're the kid kicking the soccer ball with no worry of speeding all automobiles, no worry of bullets, no worry of bullies. Maybe you're the grandparent taking complete delight in these youngsters, remembering what it was like to be a kid full of energy without a care in the world. The prophet painted the picture as a way of saying, this is what God is promising us. I trust we all long for that kind of life. But look around in Lawndale and in Austin, in Ferguson and in New York, in Yemen and in Syria. We live in a broken and violent world. It's not what God desires. For in the prayer his son taught us, we ask that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's much work yet to do. Much work before those kids play in the streets and the grandpas and the grandmas are healthy and free to sit outside. Now, let's not make the same mistake those Old Testament believers made or even Jesus' disciples. Remember in Acts 1 verse 6, his disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for a political solution, weren't they? as were those to whom the prophet Zechariah brought his message from God. And we, too, are tempted to seek a purely political solution. We did pay attention, after all, did we not, to the caucuses in Iowa last week? Or maybe what's going to happen in New Hampshire in a couple days? But remember this, and always remember this. First, we seek the kingdom. That's why the picture painted in Zechariah is so powerful. Now, been in the labor and delivery room a few times and my wife um, with OB nursing in her background a whole lot more. Many of you know that one thing that's often used is a focal point during labor and delivery. Something to focus on, something to fixate on, something to get us through. If we focus on this beautiful picture, if we keep it within our sights, if we earnestly yearn for it, with the power of the Spirit promised in the Acts passage, we're going to be able to experience it bit by bit by bit. Seeking the kingdom in this better than any artist might be able to draw painting helps sustain our motivation as faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. So, it's time for a recap. We need to function as witnesses by showing love. We must show that love everywhere to everyone from our family circle to the ends of the earth, who we reach through missionary partnership and by walking down our neighborhood streets. And third, we must remember what God has promised. And sometimes a picture tells a thousand words. For keep that picture in mind and it will motivate us and sustain us. In verse 7 and 8, God says this through his prophet Zechariah. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. The prophet is describing not the old Jerusalem, but the new Jerusalem we catch a glimpse of, glimpse of in the book of Revelation. I remember 
when the artist, uh, when we were developing stained glass windows at the Ozinga Chapel at Trinity, showed me his first drawing for the set of stained glass windows in Trinity's uh, chapel there to depict the Revelation's picture of the New Jerusalem. It was a good drawing, but you know, the buildings he drew in that drawing looked like they were from the Middle East, sort of like uh, the New Jerusalem we hope for can be found in a museum. No, 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 no. The New Jerusalem we hope for is the new heaven and earth that God comes to bring, taking his creation and making it the way he has always desired it to be. So the next time you go to Trinity and you walk through those doors, you look and you will see the spires of Chicago in those stained glass windows. So in the new Jerusalem, let's trust the streets there will be paved with gold and the grandpas and the grandmas will be sitting on the benches, leaning on their canes, just in delight in what they see. The children will be playing without a care in the world no harm around the corner. The lion will be laying down with the lamb. That's the picture. That's the kingdom we seek. And may the Holy Spirit keep this vision before us as together, together, in our missions, in our everyday walk, we seek this kingdom and await the new Jerusalem. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for the picture that you've provided us, for the promises you've made to us, and for the tasks you've given us. Thank you for this congregation, for the way it partners in missions nearby and far away. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit empower those who do mission on our, on our behalf, and may your Holy Spirit empower us to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue to worship, I just want to make a couple of announcements uh, about things that are taking place in the life of our congregation so we can uh, all be on the same page. Um, on Tuesday night, we'll have an annual congregational meeting, the purpose of which will be to uh, look at and pass the budget for the coming year. Um, if you'd like more information about that or have some detail about that, there are meetings that are taking place immediately following the service in the upper gathering area, so you can go there to ask your questions or find out more information as well. Um, we begin the season of Lent this week with Ash Wednesday observances. We've changed what we're going to do on Ash Wednesday this year from what we've done previously. As opposed to having only one service on Wednesday night at 6.30, we're offering three opportunities, or excuse me, four opportunities for you to come and to participate in prayer, music, song, reflection, and receive the imposition of ashes in like a 15-minute time frame. Um, you'll notice in your worship folder that those times are 6.30 a.m., 8.30 a.m., 12.30 p.m., or 6.30 p.m., uh, whatever might work best for you as we begin this season of Lent, marching toward Easter together. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there will be a mission program immediately following the service in the garden room. You can find out a lot more about what's taking place specifically in missions. We're going to spend about 15 minutes with one in particular uh, that I find very fascinating, uh, Mark Hobson, who's the director of um, the National School Project, which is a very vague kind of term. Um, they have developed a way for them to do evangelistic presentations in public schools uh, to gain access there and then 
uh, young kids. This happened in a school where Doug Groders works, where young kids commit their lives to Jesus Christ. They get them involved in local churches. And so they'll be interviewing Mark about that project. I think you'll find that fascinating if you get a chance to go there as well. And then one more thing, um, a longtime member of our congregation, Helen Smith, passed away on Friday. The arrangements uh, for her memorial service and et cetera are still pending, but they'll be available later today. Uh, they'll be sent out to you on the prayer chain, or if you call the office tomorrow, we'll know exactly what's going on with that. And so uh, keep that family in your prayers as they mourn that loss, and as many of us do as well. We're going to continue now to worship with our tithes and our offerings before the Lord. <laughs> 